those of you who know the song, a cappella without music, let's sing it. I'll, I'll put it in, okay? I'm pretty certain you all know it. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do Pass me by. One more time as our own dedication. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art Do not pass me Let's close our eyes for a minute, please. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Allow us tonight to wade into your presence like one wades into water. Let us be refreshed, rejuvenated, and quickened by your sweet spirit. Thank you for wonderful moments like these. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Ach, it's so nice to be with you. And it's so nice to experience how faithful the Spirit is because when Jason sang uh, Standing on the Promises, he actually took my text for tonight. And it is so wonderful to know that one is in the flow of the Holy Spirit with these things. The world is full of false prophets. Amen. Full of false prophets. Their predictions hold no water whatsoever. They are unreliable most of the times and inaccurate. Can I hold two examples out to you? The IT prophets. Some of you will remember when the year 2000 approached, I was in banking. There was this thing that the IT people created, Y2K, which meant that the world's computer systems would not have been able to accommodate maturity dates uh, or renewal dates or investment dates or birth dates beyond 31st of December 1999. And the doomsayers, the prophets of those days, the IT prophets said, collapsing will be the whole financial system of the world. Now we are 18 years later and we are still here and I don't realize or I, don't, I, I can't recall that the whole financial system actually crumbled. They had it dead wrong. Another example, 
more recently, two years ago, the political or the media prophets of this world, very powerful people, said that a man by the name of Donald Trump has absolutely no chance of becoming the next president of the United States of America. They only had to take a view one year hence. There were only two candidates. So to start off with, they had a 50% chance of being right. They had it 100% wrong. If one banked your whole life, all your investment decisions, all the other important decisions in your life on a win for Hillary Clinton, you would have been devastated now. They've got no credibility, no trustworthiness. Imagine I say to you that there was a man in the year 0969, just a little bit more than a thousand years back in history. Now think of the context of the time of then. And this man stood up in the community and he said, listen people, sometime in the future, man will walk on the moon. And then he said, on top of that, I'll tell you what he's going to say. His words will be, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. In 1969, I was in matric in my last school year. That's why I remember that's when it happened. If there was such a man, I would have held him for a prophet. If he could even say what the man on the moon, walking on the moon, would have said. To my mind, that is a reliable prophet from the context that he spoke from. Can I tell you tonight, I know prophets that did exactly that. The Old Testament prophets of God did exactly that. And let me just remind you of the crucifixion. The psalmist wrote 1,000 years before Christ. And if you read the psalms that relate to the crucifixion, you will find Jesus' utterances on the cross in them. A thousand years before the time. All seven of them. Psalm 16, verse 10. Psalm 22, which is probably the most comprehensive psalm on the subject. You could just as, just as well have been at the crucifixion scene if you read Psalm 22, Andrew. Psalm 34, 20. No bone of him shall be broken. He will look after all my bones. Psalm 69, 22. All of those psalms. 1,000 years in advance, and they even contained the utterances. 100% accurate, 100% reliable. So that is where I'm taking my cue from tonight. I'm talking to you about prophetic promises, our source of hope, strength, and comfort for 2018. Prophetic promises 
or unfulfilled prophecies as our source of hope, strength, and comfort for 2018. So I am here to encourage you tonight and to want you to take heart with me because we have got the prophetic promises and the prophetic word of God still in our midst. Right, the prophetic word. Let's read the text, the key text for tonight. 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21 is a very well-known portion of scripture. One P, uh, sorry, 2 Peter 1, 19. 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21. I read. Listen to the language here. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let me just uh, emphasize a few things that he said in year first before we actually uh, enter into what we want to discuss in our Bible study tonight. It's a sure word of prophecy. It's 100% accurate. Uh, it is reliable. Whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light. I want to talk to the preachers here tonight. Next time you preach, this light, is, other translations talk of a lamp, has got identity. This light is the living word. This is the small light that will give way to the light that will illuminate one day the new Jerusalem, where the Lamb is the light, and the city has no light, no sun or moon, because the Lamb itself is the light. Trim your lights in the light of that light. So the light in a dark place. Dark place, where is this? The dispensation that we live in? Sin, ignorance about God. So we must heed uh, this light that shineth in a dark place. You know, it makes me think of Psalm 105. Isn't that, Robin? 119 verse 105. I hope you can still recall that that's the longest psalm in the Bible. 119 verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. This is the light, the light unto my path. It is so wonderful, Andrew, you don't need a light for stationary feet. This is a lamp for feet in motion, the Christian walk. It's so necessary that we know more about it and that we live in the light of that light. Right, I want to plunge with your permission into what we need to discuss tonight. Why study the prophetic word? Why is it that this can be the source of hope, uh, of strength, and of comfort for us tonight? You know, the prophetic word is also just part and parcel of the total inspired word of God. 
Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. Second Timothy three sixteen says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness." The prophetic word does that par excellence. You cannot do that. That's part of your spiritual armor that you have to be versant with the prophetic word of God and the promises that are made to us. So, uh, that is why we study that as well. What is the prophetic word? The prophetic word, word are those utterances that gives us God's promises for the end time. It gives us God's thought for how we should live in the day that we live in, the will of God, the full truth that we have to live out in this current dispensation. But it also contains the secrets of God. Amos 3 verse 7 says, The Lord God doeth nothing before revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Did you know, in other words, that God had an inner circle? These Old Testament prophets were his inner circle. And it's also testimony to the grace of God because they then forewarn us and they lead us into the full knowledge of the will of God. That is why the songwriter wrote this song. He says, known only to him are the great hidden secrets I'll fear not the darkness when my flame shall dim. I know not what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. It's a secret known only to him. Praise God. What a wonderful encouragement. I'm talking to you about our source of hope, strength and comfort, for this year, from the prophetic promises and the prophetic word of God. Are you enjoying it up to now? Romans 15.4 also says something wonderful. It says, whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, so that we, through patience and comfort from the scriptures, may have hope. How do you like that? I'll come back to that one in the end. I'll remind you of that one again. So it's for our learning and for us to draw comfort of the, from the scriptures so that we may have hope. Why do we draw comfort from the scriptures? Because the pattern of the prophetic word is literal fulfillment. It's literal fulfillment, all right? In the 24 hours around the crucifixion of Jesus, no less than 25 Old Testament prophecies and those of Jesus, mind you, came into fulfillment, into literal fulfillment. 25 of them. While we're on statistics, more than a quarter of the entire scriptures, 
more of a quarter of that is prophetic. In the New Testament alone, there are 318 more or less references to the first and the second coming of Christ. And I hope that that gives you an indication of the importance of the subject that we're talking about tonight. The scope of these prophecies, <laughs> they range from Moses and Balaam 1,500 years before Christ. They range through the Psalms 1,000 years before Christ. And I've just mentioned to you the crucifixion scene as an example. Because if you look at the fulfillment of the crucifixion th uh, scene in Matthew 26 and Matthew 27, You'll find in John 19 that it says four or five times, so that the scriptures be fulfilled. So that the scriptures be fulfilled. And what does it refer to there in those few instances? It talks about them casting the lot over his tunic, his seamless tunic, his vesture. They talk about the prophecies that got into fulfillment of them offering him vinegar on a stalk of hyssop. They talk about the fact that, uh, that he was pierced, that he will be pierced in his side. And that is a very interesting one from Zechariah 12 verse 10 because he first sees the piercing and then he talks 2,000 years later and they say, he says, and they will see whom they pierced when he reappears on the Mount of Olives. Isn't that marvelous? That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so the scope. And then it, it, it gets all the shorter. Isaiah, 750 years. Uh, Nahum, Nahum's name means comfort. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> the, prof, the prophet of God, his name is comfort. Zechariah's name is the Lord remembers. And that brings me to another definition of prophecy. Prophecy is uh, history written by God in advance. You know, God can talk about tomorrow as if it was yesterday. God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. All right. Uh, then you have uh, uh, Micah 500 years before Christ. Bethlehem, where he will be born. Uh, you have um, uh, Joel. You have uh, Malachi. 400 years before Christ, all of these. And every one of these promises, every one of these utterances, every one of these prophecies have already been literally fulfilled or they set the pattern of literal fulfillment so that we must expect the balance also to be literally fulfilled. And that's our source tonight of hope, of strength, and of comfort in the Scriptures. Praise God, I'm all fired up and I'm enjoying it. I hope you're still with me. Good. Let's move on quickly. I just want to point out to you a very interesting incident where Zechariah, 500 to 600 before Christ, prophesied some things about the betrayal of Jesus. Zechariah 11 verse 12 and the verses that follow on. And Zechariah tells the story as in the first person as if he's Judas. 
And he talks about the betrayal. He talks about the remorse. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You know it. The remorse that he got afterwards. He went back to the high priests. He threw the 30 pieces of silver back at them. They didn't want to take the money because it was stained by blood. So they said, well, let's buy a piece of the potter's field. And the piece of the potter's field that they bought was called field of blood. And it became a graveyard for outcasts. All of this back in Matthew 26 and 27. Isn't that wonderful? 600 years to the T, potter's field, 30 pieces of silver. And now I just want to have your attention to put the 30 pieces of silver in perspective for you. And this is going to shock you. There's another story in the Bible, 2 Kings 6, verse 34 and on. Ben-Hadad besieged Samaria. And after about four months or so, a devastating famine set in. So much so that mothers started taking turns to slaughter their children for food. And a fight broke out amongst two mothers. Go and read that. It, it, it may be just good to do that. But because of this food, uh, food shortage, cannibalism arose. And the natural reaction is that food prices will just soar. Do you know what one could have bought for 30 pieces of silver there? Slightly more than one-third of an ass's head for food. About, or about one liter, listen to this, if you think that that spoiled your appetite, of dove dung. Whether they used it for combustion or whether they ate it, we don't know. I surmise they ate it for the rich mineral content thereof. So for 30 pieces of silver, you could buy a third of a donkey's head or you could buy about one liter of dove dung. That is the price that man put on the head of our Savior. No wonder the songwriter again wrote a song that said, 30 pieces of silver was the price they paid. 30 pieces of silver, just the price of a slave. And my heart I have given to this Christ betrayed. Now I know just how much he loved me by the price he paid. We were prepared to offer 30 pieces of silver. He gave the best that he ever had, his full life, for you and me individually and corporately. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Lord. One can only be amazed. Jesus, and this is the climax of what I'm doing, and I'm almost through my time. Jesus, obviously, is the greatest prophet that ever lived. 
the greatest prophet that ever lived. On the opposite side of the long-term spectrum, if someone can tell you what is going to happen to you, Stephen, in the next eight hours, and forewarn you not to, be, not to deny him, before the cock crow, you will deny me three times. And you still do it. The power of his prophecy is demonstrated. Or if he says to two of his disciples, and there is a debate on where, as to before that time, whether or not he had yet ever been in Jerusalem. But he sent two of them and he said, listen, go into this town right in front of you and you'll find an ass and a foal tied. Br loosen her and bring her to me. And if they resist, you say the master needs them. I just want to make two or three comments on that. This is in brackets. This is not my sermon or my, my message to you tonight. But take it for what it's worth. Andrew, expect resistance when Jesus wants to work. That's a principle. The second principle is nothing is too humble in the hands of the Lord. An acid of fall. And the third one, which is very allegorical, but I'm going to say it. Bring your offspring to the Lord as well. If he calls you, <laughs> if he calls you, don't be worse than an ass, the little ass, uh, the mare. Bring your offspring to the Lord. Say, here, here they are for service, God, as well. All right, that was just in brackets. All right. Jesus, the greatest prophet of all. Where do we read that? We read that in Deuteronomy 18.15, when Moses, 1,500 years before Christ, said, a prophet from amongst us, like me, the Lord will raise up. To his voice, you will have to hearken. Everybody will listen to him. Every knee shall bow. 1,500 years later, he was on the scene. And it is confirmed by Hebrews 1 verse 1, which says, In times of old, God talked to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, meaning the New Testament dispensation in which you and I live. He spoke to us or he speaks to us through his son. Through his son. The portion of scripture that we read, 2 Peter 1.19, also links Old Testament prophets to the morning star. Remember there? Jesus says of himself, uh, Revelation 22.16 he says, and I am the root of David and the bright morning star. Confirming that he is the greatest prophet of all times. He acknowledges himself further as a prophet. But he had to say in Mark 6, 4, I think. He had to say, a prophet is not without honor. Except in his own country among his own kin and in his own house, referring to himself. And I'm closing with that big prophet of all times, Jesus. Revelation 19.10 also confirms this when it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, Jesus gives life to everything and anything that we call true prophecy. 
All right, remember that. Let's see what the final promises were that he had given us. And then let's rejoice, and I'm closing with that. John 14, 1 to 3. And it's a portion of scripture so close to my heart. Because when they lowered the coffin of my two children on one day, this was the scripture reading. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In the house of my father there are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again. And I will uh, take you unto myself. Let me just get the exact, the right words. And receive you unto myself so that where I am, you may be also. That is our source tonight, people, of hope, of strength, and of comfort. Said by the biggest prophet ever, the one that cannot falter, the one who writes the history, before whom everything is open. He speaks and it stands, it will happen. The same Jesus says in Revelation 22, 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth this prophecy. And then in the 12th verse, five verses on, he says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. You know what I conclude? I conclude with 1 John 2, 18. Little flock, little children, this is the last hour. The King James says this is the last time. We live in the last of the last dispensation before Jesus comes back to make his promises true that he has given us. What a wonderful privilege that we're having. Romans 15, 4. Again, I'm quoting that. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning so that we through patience and comfort from the scriptures may have hope. On top of that, James 5 verse 8 says something wonderful. He says, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. I, mean, I think that means strengthen your hearts. Establish your hearts. Because, or for, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Hope, comfort, and strength. Patience and strength. And then the last one, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 says, And so shall we be forever with the Lord. And then the 18th word concludes what I want to say tonight. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. May God bless you richly in 2018. And may the prophetic word 
And these promises, the outstanding, the balance of promises that God had given us, be your source of inspiration, of encouragement. May you derive hope and strength and comfort from that. God bless you richly. Thank you. Amen.